The Bane Free Radio Hour. On the podcast, the pass through tomorrow, sewn into a crazy quilt by a team of crackerjack seamstress fates and norns, wins the fashion show at the end of the universe. Irascible pagans and curvaceous swords, plus part 27 of the complete audiobook serialization of Larry Correa's Son of the Black Sword. All right now. Welcome to the Bane Free Radio Hour podcast. It's an honor to have you along. I'm Bain Editor Tony Daniel. We have a recap and discussion of the year that was at Bain Books this time with Bain publisher Tony Weiskopf. Tony is my boss and the person who gives direction and purpose to all that we put out here at Bain. Tony talks about many of the wonderful books out in 2018 and gives a real sense of the excellent variety of quality stories we told and the authors who told them. Plus, it's a wonderful tour of fantastic stuff for you to read. And we continue with a complete audiobook serialization of Larry Correa's high fantasy novel, Son of the Black Sword. Now here's the news. We have new fiction and nonfiction up at the Bain.com website now. Every month around the 16th, we bring you a new story, often by the author of a new Bain book that will be published and at booksellers in two weeks or so. Sometimes the writers explore a character or subplot that they couldn't quite get into the book. Sometimes they'll be prequel stories to the book, and it's, it's always just a cool story to read on its own for your reading pleasure also. Plus, we always have a nonfiction piece. Often this is related to what's currently out from Bain. Sometimes it's just a cool, provocative, and fun article that we thought you would love. Up now at the Bain.com website to read for free is a short story by Larry Correa. This is The Testimony of the Traitor Ratul, and it's a tale set in Larry's high fantasy world of Locke. It's directly related to the action of Larry's latest addition to his Sons of Ram Rowan high fantasy series. That book is called House of Assassins, and it's the sequel to The Son of the Black Sword, which we're serializing right now. In The Testimony of the Traitor Ratul, Ratul Memon der Sarnabat has been called many things. The Swift, Ratul without mercy, Ratul the Mad, and Ratul the Traitor. But before all of this, before he served as a master in the protective order, before he learned what he knows is the truth, that the gods were real, he was a young man in the capital city of Locke trying to make his way. Also up now, and in celebration of the House of Assassins' debut, we have an excellent article by sword historian and sword art practitioner, Whit Williams. This is The Swords of Locke, a historical approach to the edged weapons of Larry Correa's high fantasy world. Wield the Ancestor Blade. In Larry Correa's saga of the Forgotten Warrior series, Ashok Vidal wields a powerful sword known as Angra Vidal, one of the ancestor blades of Locke. Like Excalibur, this sword chooses its bearer and endows the bearer with great skill. In this month's nonfiction essay, Whit Williams explores how Angra Vidal fits within its mythic and historical world. And he talks a lot about the history and construction and use of swords in general. He really is highly knowledgeable, and it's a great piece. It's really fun. And we have another nonfiction piece up as well, which is Principles of Organization for War and Organizing for War in the Carreraverse, Part 4. 
This is the final installment of this very fascinating series of articles we published by Tom Crapman. It's about organizing for war, but the articles also deal with the way Tom has organized and prepared the forces in his Carrera novels, including the latest, which is called A Pillar of Fire by Night, which is at Booksellers. Tom is a retired Army lieutenant colonel, and he knows whereof he speaks. He spent a lot of time in the infantry. Principles of Organization for War and Organizing for War in the Carreraverse, Part 4, by Tom Crapman. The Swords of Locke, a historical approach to the edged weapons of Larry Correa's high fantasy world by Whit Williams, and The Testimony of the Traitor Ratul by Larry Correa are all available to read for free at Bain.com right now. And after February 15th, they'll be available perpetually at Bain eBooks in the free eBook anthologies you can download there. One is called Free Stories 2019. You can find the Larry Correa story there. And Free Nonfiction 2019, where you can find the other two pieces. So check them out. I want to welcome Tony Weiskopf, Bain publisher, back to the podcast. Hello. How's Hello, everybody. So um, maybe before we start, you know, I was... Um, I usually do a little short bio. What do you think is, apart from being the boss of everything, um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think your role is? Um, how would you describe it to somebody if, like, uh, they asked you? Uh, if there were an alien coming down to the planet and I had to What's a publisher? justify my existence. Yeah. Um, the justify my existence, by the way, is a reference to a... Um, Isaac Asimov series of mysteries, the the Black Widowers mysteries. They had a, a club um, of influential people in New York, and they would invite guest speakers, and the guest speakers had to justify their existence. Um, this is actually loosely based on a real club of writers in New York, so maybe not such influential people, but certainly interesting people to science fiction history. Anthony Boucher was part of that club. Various other uh, big name writers of the day. Um, so that struck me when I was a, uh, a teenager reading those, justifying the notion of justifying your existence. Um, so now, if I had to describe what it is that I do to justify my existence, I would say that I work with writers and uh, artists to create science fiction that inspires people. Um, and I think that does, in fact, justify my existence. Um, I think what we do at Bain is different from what other publishers do. And that's a good thing. Not everybody needs to be doing the same thing. And I'm very proud of the materials that we bring to a larger audience. And I'm really happy with the way that uh, uh, we interact with that audience, this podcast you... being one of those ways. I was thinking we could do a, a little uh, a little recap of 2018 and and just what we've been doing the last uh, last few seasons and what great books we had out and um, some of the exciting things that happened last year and what is coming up um, in the in the near future also from Bain. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, shall we uh, shall we go over it month by month? Yeah, well let's let's go all the way back to uh, to January of 2018 when um everybody did these meme recaps i was trying to think of <laughs> there was something like no wait that happened years ago no it happened in january so um what was what was uh what was spring like for bane what were our 
Well, we started off uh, with a uh, really great novel in the Lee Aiden series by uh, Sharon Lee and Steve Miller, Neogenesis, which is a good way to start January with a, a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this, this particular novel tied up a lot of um, um, plot strands that, uh, that had been um, building in the Lee Aiden universe. And uh, it didn't answer all the questions, but it answered a lot of the questions. And we got a really just beautiful, beautiful cover from uh, David Mattingly on this one that uh, hinted at uh, some of the the, the complex uh, philosophical questions that were raised in this book uh, having to do with what do you do with artificial intelligences. Yeah, this was the AI book, or yes, that moral bunter and all that. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the various different cultures that are present in the Leaden universe have different answers to what do you do uh, with a drunken AI um, early in the morning. Um, so, it, Who could destroy everything? Yeah. So it uh, uh, th- 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 talking about you know what it is that Bain does. Neogenesis and the Lee Aiden series is um, we absolutely have fun. They, Lee and Miller are fantastic storytellers, and you want to keep reading. And they they create these complex cultures and interesting characters, um, but they also engage these really deep, fun questions. Um, that's really really cool to think about, and that's one of the things I think science fiction does very well um and it's certainly one of the things that we um try to do um, in the fiction that we publish and with uh with the Leiden books in particular you can a lot of times you can get into them quickly um with at a point with that you don't have to start at the beginning of the series it's it's a um it's an open-ended series it's more like a milieu or a setting that they're exploring although they have story cycles within it right they do they do and we have we do have a flow chart um for the readers uh, good places to start and and not so good good places to start but yeah you you are being dropped into a new world um no matter where you start you you get that immersive feeling um which is fun what uh what makes you decide um to schedule a book in January, February, or it doesn't matter really. Is there cycles to um, when you would do things? There's there's a lot of uh, reading the bones when it comes to that, and I think there's about as much validity to the to the efficacy of being published in a particular month over a different month. Um, to reading chicken bones and and, and scattering them. Um, so no, it, it generally it has to do with um, availability. Um, when the manuscript is finished and when we are making uh, putting a schedule together. Um, so we do try to get some balance um, in a particular month. So um, the other titles um, in uh, in January were Cobra Trader by Timothy Zahn, uh, which is... Um, uh, a more um, a military science fiction side of things uh, than the space opera side of things. And then we had The Cackle of Cthulhu, which is something completely different. Um, wacky anthology that uh, <laughs> Alex Schwarzman put together. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Humorous Cthulhu. Yes, <laughs> yes. I hope we didn't piss him off, but he's already pretty pissed off. I mean, so, you know, perpetually, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's probably too late for us anyway. So we might as well have fun with it. And it had the great um, uh, Elvis Cthulhu uh, cover on it. It, it did, because if you can have Elvis Cthulhu, you have Elvis Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, 
what uh and i don't have freaking uh spring yeah there you go uh, <laughs> so um what about a let's let's move on to um to february we had um we had uh an eric flint uh paul goodling gork huff um collaboration in the uh, 1630 i mean in the uh, ring of fire series uh we had travis taylor's uh culmination bringers of hell was that the last book i think it's uh i think it was yeah it, it, it brings again it brings it brings together a lot of plot strands um that were that, that were being developed in the earlier books so yeah so so two 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 books with very different feels to them um but uh, both of them are absolute fun great reads um and uh you know just great adventures to be taken on and great worlds to be immersed in what do you think of the i mean um the ver the variety of eric's of eric's enormous uh you've seen it from the beginning you've yeah. seen this amazing sort of uh culture of of writers and readers um, develop around it um i mean i've never seen quite anything like it among um shared universe sort of things people participating in ways that they just they don't I mean it's, you know they do it with weber um we have a really strong uh, contingent of, of weber fandom that that has but the eric guys they write the flint uh, people and and eric is very supportive of them and and really has improved them and, and like paula and gorg are humorous writers and these are really good fun books i love their bernie uh their bernie russian books um well i was guessing how do we interact with that with that fan base and what does um i mean well has I mean, it reached some sort of um it just seems it seems like something only bane could have done well, because I, of the I, way we have we deal with our fans and our readers, I, I think it's because um, we don't get territorial about it. Um, that we understand that it's all a shared enterprise. That we are all in this together. Um, so when what, you know, I, I wrote the original contract. This was a standalone novel. <laughs> So, 1632. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so when that turned into something um, that was going to be bigger, I, I mean, a huge part of this is Eric's approach to it, um, and uh, his you know generous nurturing of new authors, um, and his uh, sharing of of the fun that he was having writing these books, um, and. Uh, and and, uh, and allowing people to play with his concept and, and welcoming people and roping people in. Um, in fact, if you go to a convention with Eric, just be careful. You may end up writing for the 1632 universe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's our general approach to science fiction is that it is a collaborative art form um, and that there's something for everyone. Um, and of course we gave it the platform too. We had uh, Baines Barr, had uh, Eric very actively um, engaging with his fans on the bar and um, we invested the money and the resources to providing the place for fans from all around the world um, to uh, to meet virtually and uh, to exchange ideas um, and we when did you it. realize that this thing was going to be um, an ongoing 
thing. And then, then when you, when did you realize this is, a, this is like a culture of people we've um, nurtured into existence or Eric has with our help? Well, I think in the beginning it was just Jim and, and Eric having fun. Um, uh, certainly, bringing David Weber into it um, was, you know, raised the uh, the sales figures and the profile on it. Um, got uh, got uh, to the Times list, um, but I think yeah, again, it's just sharing the fun. Um, and you know, Jim and Eric absolutely being willing to see. Well, let's see how far this goes. Um, and the answer is we don't know yet because it's still going. There's the, they're having a mini con um, within, they have conventions within conventions where the, where the, the people meet. Um, where's this one this year? You said it was at uh, It's going to be, it's going to be hosted um, by the Westercon, which is this year uh, called SpikeCon, and it's Spike. in Layton, Utah, which is close to Salt Lake City. Um, it's uh, also the uh, North American Science Fiction Convention um, and has a number of Bain um, authors who will be there in addition to hosting Eric and the 1632 Minicon. So it should be a really exciting convention for a, a lot of Bain readers. How do we interact with conventions? We do, um, we have a lot more, we have the Bain Road shows, but we're, we seem to interact with fans a lot as a company. Um, as a, you know, as editors and, you know, a lot of editors in New York never meet any of the readers except occasionally and by accident. Um, and we're out there and we bring into them all the time. Um, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it maybe because you sort of came out of fandom in a way and, and, um, have always maintained touch with it. It's, it's like your hobby is you do more science fiction. Um, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely came out of science fiction fandom. Um, I was a reader before I was a fan. Um, and then when I found out about science fiction fandom in my teens, um, I, I took to it like a duck to water. Um, there's a lot of science fiction um pros who came out of fandom, Fred Pohl being a very early example of that, um, Asimov too, um, they, uh, they started writing when they were very young as well, but they were fans and um, worked on clubs and newsletters and conventions and all that kind of thing back in the 30s and 40s. Um, so there's a long history of that. Um, Jim Bain was not a fan, but he was certainly fan-friendly and recognized that this was, if, if not the uh, total audience for his book, certainly the a core audience for his books. Um, so uh, he always uh, wanted to, to nurture that core audience. Um, so yeah, we are very fan friendly and, uh, it's, uh, it, it is on purpose. Um, we, we listen to our readers. We, um, and I think one of the reasons why we as editors are out there as well is because we are our readers. We're publishing books that we ourselves want to read. Um, what were the conventions, um, some of the conventions that we hit in some your, your highlights perhaps of, of 2018 and. Oh, let's see. Um, well, we have a, uh, a southern bias to our conventions because our main offices are in North Carolina, so we like to go to conventions that are local to us and to support the local fans. Um, we do also like to support our authors who travel, so um, uh, we'll take out convention book ads in places where our authors appear on panels and our guests um, big ones for us were uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta. That's always a big one. Um, uh, Balticon. Um, we uh, we usually do a road show at uh, at Balticon in Baltimore um, over Memorial Day weekend. 
Um, we do try to hit uh, different locations. Uh, let's see, LTUE, Life, the Universe, and Everything in Utah again um, has a big contingent of Bane writers in Utah. We try to we try to go there and interact with them, um, and we also try to change it up every year too. We try to get to new conventions that we haven't been to before. Um, another one that we uh, tend to fight over here in the office is the International Space Development Conference, yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> uh, which will not uh, technically a science fiction convention uh, is really stimulating for us and uh, we will uh, trade off among the editorial staff who gets to go uh, we present the Jim Bain Memorial uh, Award there in conjunction with the National Space Society and um, uh, that's always uh, a lot of fun last year it was in Los Angeles and I got to go to that one yeah that's cool and and writers out there you can enter that of course we have two uh, short story contests throughout the year one is for fantasy and one is for um, science fiction and there's lots of details on the website about that. So, well, uh, books. Well, we um, should, when speaking of hard science fiction, we should mention uh, the other f book in February, Mission to uh, Methany. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was a book by, uh, first solo novel by Les Johnson, um, who is a uh, space scientist um, actively working on the next generation of solar sails, um, himself a science fiction fan and reader. And he came to us through his collaborations with uh, Travis Taylor. Yeah, he is. Um, I mean, he was incredibly busy making. He, he he creates solar cells. He's the main scientist on 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 satellite projects and such. And and he's also you can find him on these TED. He he's done a couple of TED talks. He's always he's good. He looks a little bit like Ichabod Crane, <laughs> but um, he he's this compelling uh, sort of. Uh, if Ichabod Crane was charismatic and compelling as a speaker, <laughs> would yeah, be less. Yeah. So. yeah, he's an absolutely great speaker, and um, you can uh, generally see him on the science track at DragonCon, um, <clears throat> and uh, he goes to other conventions as well. So this was Les's, um, Les's sort of Clarkian, a big science fiction story. We wanted him to do that, and he did it. He did a, did a great job. Um, gives you that sense of wonder sort of feeling. Um, what about uh, Dave Drake's ongoing RCN series? I think um, this this year's was, uh, or 2018's, was a, an off-concept sort of RCN with Awful Tree um, as the main character who was, uh, it was the point of view was a, a young officer who is seeing um, Leary and Mundy from, from his side of things. It's really cool. Um, a lot of fun. Dave's... Um, you know, after Hammer Slammers, um, which was just action-packed and fun, but also um, pretty rough going sometimes, um, the RCN series is still action-packed, but it has more of a of an adventure air to it um, than um, than just like you know we are going to kill this population. We're mercenaries. We got hired to do it. Kind of, you know. Uh, well, I think David, you know, David's at a different stage in his life, and he's thinking about uh, different issues, different concerns. Um, <clears throat> of course, the RCN series is a long-running series at this point. Um, and, and there's all kinds of books in it. Yes. Because he's tried different. You know, when you do that. Yeah. Much like Bujold's. Uh, 
For Kozik and Saga. For Kozik and Saga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you have this uh, interesting multi-planet uh, universe that you can play with, you get to explore it. Um, and exploration is fun. Um, finding new things is fun. Um, of course, you know, an ongoing theme with some of Dave's work is, is you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. You know, you, you still get the same kind of petty tyrannies and... Uh, uh, strange personal interactions uh that uh uh that are universal um you know of course dave is uh, um, a scholar of latin um and uh, he draws on classical resources for a lot of his inspiration um the more things change the more they stay the same <laughs> yeah, yeah. well it was a fun entry and and um we also maybe we could talk about uh was the spark was uh was that 2017 yeah and then the storm is a was is just out in january right now it made the uh it's made the bestseller list this is another series that dave's working on that's completely different far future um kind of based around camelot um as a theme or more like what europe was like after the roman empire fell and people forgot what built all those roads and and everything well, the, what 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 do you do when civilization has collapsed and uh, you uh, don't want to live in a place where only strong men rule? Um, how do you how do you get civilization back? Um, this is this is the problem that uh, uh, the leader is dealing with, and uh, Pal um, is uh, one of his paladins um, who is you know agrees with this goal and is working towards it, even while he's you know a young man you know wet behind the years you know trying to trying to figure out who he is and what he wants and what kind of person he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, it's a that's a cool other series that Dave's working on. Um, what else uh, do we have? Any other spring books that were um, that that popped out at you as, as you, we're looking at our list? I mean, they're all great. You understand? Um, that. Yeah, I have, to, I have to. I have to mention every single one of them because I enjoyed every single yeah. one of them. Um, so uh, in February, we also uh, we also had uh, one of my favorite authors, Paul Anderson, um, the second volume of the Psychotechnic League. Um, we published the complete Polyosotechnic League, and uh, this is a different series um, of Anderson's. Uh, just as much fun and um, mostly short stories, but uh, some novels, uh, you know, shorter novels in here as well. Um, these were put together by um, our editor emeritus, um, Hank Davis. And if you're not familiar with Paul Anderson's work, you lucky dog, because there's a whole, there's a big body of work. He, he started writing science fiction as a young man and continued right up until the time he passed away. And there's great stuff to be yeah. discovered there. There's a, we have, there's a podcast. Um, we, we interviewed um, Astrid and, and Greg Bear, Astrid Anderson Bear and Greg Bear. Astrid is uh, Paul Anderson's daughter. Greg Bear is her husband. He's also the science fiction writer, Greg Bear, and had a great conversation about this. Um, yeah. And so in, in March, we had uh, another lovely title, A Call to Vengeance by David Weber and Timothy Zahn with uh, Tom Thomas Pope um, from David's uh, fan support organization, View 9. Um, Tom, one of the things that Tom does is uh, continuity. At this point, I don't know, how many novels are in the Honorverse? 
God knows. Many, <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly yeah. more than more than twenty, and and uh, a similar number of short stories, um, as well from the anthologies uh, and uh, other places that David has, has mm-hmm. written. Um, you know, there's the Eric Flint and David. Yeah, <laughs> right. Collaborations, etc. Yeah, and the and the YAs and with Jane Linsgold, and so yeah, this is uh, this is a great uh, this is a great subseries in the Honorverse, um, and they're just having tons of fun with it, and that did uh, that did very nicely for us. Um, yeah. The mass market's out right now. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what else in March? Oh, Sins of Her Father, the second novel by Mike Coopery, um, classic. Uh, planetary adventures um, much like the you know, certainly the same subgenre as the rcn novels but completely different um it's uh, a small uh, small crew who uh, who take on uh, different projects and they almost always seem to get into trouble um that's where the novels lie i guess <laughs> yeah yeah and this uh, one they i think they go and um and overthrow a strong man Yes. Um, yeah. They have to go through some uh, the the space of a totalitarian government. And have to flee or not flee, but face down uh, a threat from them as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want Cooper to get a swole head, but um, this, his stories really remind me strongly of H. Bean Piper's work. Um, so, uh, so, so these are just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, Star Destroyers. We had Star Destroyers in March. Yeah. Which is really fun anthology <laughs> edited by uh, Tony Daniel and Christopher Rocchio, both of them editors here at Bain, and they both have stories in there as well. Yeah, uh, I did not. What I did not have a story in there, but Christopher did. Slacker, I was just editing it. All right, fair and, enough. And <laughs> uh, but it's got a David Drake story, um, it's, it's got a lot of cool stuff, and and Mike Williamson, it's got um, a, a slew of Bain writers, um, almost. Everyone in that book, in fact, everyone in that book is associated with Bain in some way or another. Um, it's it's our folks writing stuff about big ships blowing things up. Um, that's the theme, and then they just took it where they wanted to, and some of them took it in completely different directions. Um, and, you know, Jody Elin and I wrote a submarine story, <laughs> and, um, yeah. and Dave Drake decided uh, that he would write a ship about a ship that blew everything up or, or threatened to. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to put together and read. And, um, and again, we got really, we, we, we had fun with the cover art on that too. Um, Sam Kennedy was the, uh, the artist for that one. He did a, did a great job. Yeah. What about, we should probably at some point talk about the great art of, um, of Bain as well. Um, we had some really cool stuff come in in 2018. We're some new, some new, uh, artists um came on board as well we've had um the same group of um artists um for years that we we go back to because they provide these great um great great covers and beautiful art um these are artists that we who've been working with us since Bain was started, David Mattingly and uh, Stephen Hickman and Tom Kidd and Bob Eggleton, these are people who were active uh, when Bain got started, and they are still doing fantastic work for us. Yeah. And some of them, I mean, they just don't do book covers except for us because they, they feel that, um, you know. Oh, you still pay them, though. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I wish that they did it purely out of love. 
but yeah, we, 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 we pay our artists um, uh, because they do professional work and they, uh, sure, of course. well, they contribute to, uh, to the vision. Uh, I mean, literally to the vision of what it is that Bain Books is. And I, I think that's important. Um, our writers and our artists uh, interact and they, uh, they inspire each other um, just as the, the readers um, interact with the authors and inspire them. So. Did you go to that Aris convention last year? I did, year? yeah. What was that like? Yeah, was... this is the um, um, IX is what it's called now. It used to be called IluxCon, and it's a meeting in rural Pennsylvania of um, really a, a large percentage of the working um, artists in science fiction these days. Um and uh, it's 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 a specialized convention i mean it it, it is basically the art show at a convention and that's it um but it is just an absolutely gorgeous art show um people are bringing um uh, new pieces um pieces that they're working on and um, if you're an aspiring artist um, they do portfolio reviews you can um you can also have a display space um for for your things and they have a juried show as well um, so it, it's uh, if, if you're a fan or a collector of science fiction art, it's a, it's a great, uh, great environment. And I'm happy to say that, in my humble opinion, the best artists there were people who are doing work for us. <laughs> yeah. A lot of our artists win these the, the Artists of the Year awards and such uh, repeatedly and, and are so famous that they don't really have to that they um that they can just sell their paintings if they wanted to but they they keep their hand in um thinking of a couple at least well um, there's you know the, the, again science fiction is fun working on uh working on these books and getting you know getting to read the books before everybody else does and and uh and getting to be part of the process is fun for these artists um it's not just a job yeah um, sure. so um what else uh did you look at April? Yes, and, April uh, we had the RCN novel from Dave Drake, uh, and then something completely different. We had Witchy Winter from DJ Butler, Dave Butler, um, which is uh, a alternate history. Um, uh, what are we calling it? muskets and magic uh, fantasy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flintlock fantasy. I mean, Flint, I, Flintlock fantasy. It, it's 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 a new newish. It, it, I guess it's not a new subgenre because you know certainly we've had stories in there, but it's sort of. I think we're getting a critical mass now um, that it's a subgenre that's getting recognized. And more and more people are writing this. Um, I think Butler is doing great work. Um, yeah, it's it's a really cool and intricate world he's created, which is um, an alternate North America where magic, where like Appalachian kind of, every kind of magic works, but it's particularly con has Appalachian magic, like um, from um, that, that Albion book he read that he loved so much um, that was about folkways in the Appalachians. Yeah. Um, and uh, he just made a, an incredibly cool world with a really cool... Um, um, young uh young lady who's got powers coming into her own in the story so um and th that was book two and mm -hmm. the final or not the final but but book three of her uh part of the the cycle of, of the witchy wars i believe is what the mm -hmm. series is called is going to be out in august of 2019 coming up so there we go 
Uh, we have another fantasy in April, um, a more traditional uh, kind of fantasy, not a high fantasy, but a low fantasy. Um, this one by Alex Stewart. This is the second novel that he's done for us. Um, he made his uh, name writing the Caiaphas Cain novels um, in the uh, Warhammer universe, um, but he's getting to do his own universes now. And uh, uh, Fistful of Elven Gold is... Uh, Reminiscent of A Fistful of Dollars, the Clint Eastwood uh, movie, but uh, our hero is not uh, uh, tall and handsome like Clint Eastwood, but is instead a gnome, um, and this gets him into trouble. So um, a little, something a little bit lighter, um, but uh, equally fun. Um, and then we have a, a reprint um, from Gordon Dixon's Sleepwalker's World, uh, a little bit of old gold to round out the month. Yeah. We're doing a bunch of Dixon reprints. Um, yeah. What do you like about Gordon R. Dixon? Oh, boy. Um, wow. Um, Dixon and Anderson are sort of inextricably connected um, in my brain. Um, they write differently. Um, but they have similar virtues um, that their uh, their characters are compelling. Um, the prose is uh, relatively spare, um, and they take you places that uh, that you wouldn't go necessarily. That that, that his mind works in interesting ways, um, and and I like that. Uh, he writes all different kinds of stuff. I mean, he's he's known best, I think, for the Dorsai, the, the military science fiction, um, but he's done everything, um, and he's just interesting. You you don't get disappointed when you read a Dixon story. Let's just put it that way. He's he's consistent. We, we bring a lot of stuff back that um, that that you've loved <laughs> in particular. <laughs> That's one of the the perks of being publisher, I guess, and. And what's available, too, of course. But, uh. Well, it is, but you have to fight for these things sometimes. Um, and, of course, Dixon and Ederson were Jim Bain's loves as well. Um, so, I mean, he knew Dixon and, and, and knew Ederson personally, and we're, we're good friends with both. Um, and, uh, you know, published their short fiction, um, at Galaxy, and uh, when he got to publish novels uh, by them as well, when he was at Ace and then Tor and then Bain, um, he did. Um and uh, it's one of the, the the many overlaps that Jim and I had in uh, in our taste in science fiction. I think. Well, moving into May, um, I think that was Uncharted, uh, which uh, didn't we win the dragon with that? We did. Uh, yeah. Which was um, very cool alternate history, also a flintlock fantasy, musket and magic. I like that better. Muskets and magic. Yeah, yeah kind right. of characterization. <laughs> uh, which is Lewis and Clark. If there were magic, and and Sacachuea was a was a uh, powerful shape shifting magic user. Yes, uh, absolutely. So this is and there's dragons. Yeah, yeah, and there's dragons. Yeah, because there should be dragons. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is by Kevin Anderson and uh, Sarah Hoyt. Um, Kevin's uh, first uh, novel with Bane, and uh, of course Sarah's published many books with us. And this is a shared universe. The next novel in this series is going to be written by Eric Flint and Walter Hunt. And we do not have scheduled yet. Uh, is that Council of Fire? Yes. It is. Yeah. Council yeah. of Fire. Yeah. And let's see. What else do we have in May? 
We had uh, oh, Oblivion by Steve White and and Charles Gannon. Um, that's part of the Starfire universe that was David Weber's first novel. Uh, was a collaboration between him and Steve White set in the Starfire gaming universe. And uh, I don't know what number novel we are in the series, but we're close to ten or eleven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's you know so that's going from what ninety one I think or eighty nine somewhere in there. Um, uh, you know, to the present day, that this is a, a a universe that has spawned a lot of interesting stories, and um, Steve and Chuck are uh, carrying the torch there. Yeah, this is, I think this is the one where the aliens emerge out of, out of it's a second wave of uh, the, the the bad guy aliens who emerge out of seemingly nowhere just different points in the sky and they're trying to figure out how the heck that could happen and if you have a gaming mentality if you like board games um it that seems like something that like wow that's a good strategy whatever you did what rule that you uh you used (laughs) to to make that happen um and and steve's got this in his mind he's got the he's got it um it would work within the gaming system that they started out the things, but of course they're writers. And so they come up with all these, these great stories surrounding it. Um, yeah. The problem, I mean, the problem is that we made friends with the first wave and now we don't know how to make friends. With the yes. Second wave. <laughs> right. The second wave are, are not friends with the first wave. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We've got new enemies yeah. who are pretty badass. So. Uh, let's see. So in June, we had uh, Grantville Gazette, uh, a collection of short stories in the Ring of Fire universe. Speaking of the giant Eric Flint. Uh, yep. And Eric and fandom. Walt Boys, who's uh, one of his protégés um, and colleagues uh, at the Ring of Fire Press, put that together. Um, and what else? Oh, uh, expiration date, where we got to uh, publish uh, some of Tim Power's backlist. Um this is foreshadowing because the following month, <laughs> or in August, we have a new, brand new novel by Tim Powers. Um, yeah, which was, uh, and Tim, if, in case you don't know, is multiple uh, World Fantasy Award winning, uh, many other award winning author, um, just a great writer of, of fantasy. Um, really cool ideas. Um, he he was also, the like the... Um, on Stranger Tides, the um, that they they basically adapted his novel to make that um, that I think it's the third or fourth movie in the Pirates of the Caribbean series, um, and definitely used his magic, his crazy um, ghost magic that seems to pop up in many of his books. Um, the way that ghosts um, uh, they're not actually soul ghosts; they're just that's it, sort of a Tim Powers thing that um, in an alternate. Um, Alternate routes, we see that in L.A. in the present day, which is really cool. Which it is very honest. difficult to explain without saying, just here, read the book, what it is that makes Powers' work so compelling and fascinating. Yeah. Um, it's hard to distill it down. Well, in this one, I think the kid breathes in Thomas Edison's ghost <laughs> and, <laughs> and has to, and is running from these, these junkies who like to... to Breathe and eat, jo- and like their meth heads. Oh, that, an expiration date. Yeah. That's the, yeah, 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 the, yeah. And and the the resonances that he gets with uh, mundane life um, are, are are really powerful. Um, 
And it's reading a Tim Powers novel is just so much fun and so stimulating and and, and on, on many many different levels. Um, I, I'm really happy to be able to introduce him to a Bain audience. Yeah, so. and he's a super cool guy. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, let's see. In July, we had uh, Monster Hunter Memoirs um, Saints, which was the uh, third of the Larry Korea and John Ringo um, collaborations set in Larry's Monster Hunter universe. And that uh, really you know, was a fun ride to be on to. Um, yeah, there's, a, I believe that, that's the giant mole rat comes up from, yeah. the, from the depths of hell <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it does, uh, and it, it sort of tells the backstory of uh, some of the characters um, that you see in the mainline Monster Hunter uh, universe. They're yeah. historicals. They're they're set uh, in the eighties, um, which I hate to say, but it's now a historical time period. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that's right. Prehistory. Prehistory. And... Uh, we get the origin of, for instance, Milo the 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 weapons maker and dude in the modern day monster hunter books of Larry Koreas. We do. Uh, and, uh, and there's a big emotional punch at the end of, uh, at the end of saints. Um, that was, you know, just pure Korea, just absolutely, you know, you think, you think you're having fun. You think you're on his, you know, this cool shoot him up romp and then bam, he gets you in the gut. Oh, well done. <laughs> well well done um so the two of them uh did uh, did really well with that um great 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 fun um what else we have in july we had uh more more paul anderson and uh tied about by uh michael uh michael williamson um it's a collection of his short stories and nonfiction, and um uh, we call them provocations, yeah. <laughs> editorial pieces. That's yeah, the second collection we've done of his. The first was called Tour of Duty. So uh, we collected pretty much everything Mike, Mike, Michael Z. Williamson has um, that has done that's fun, including his cocktail recipes. <laughs> which are which obnoxious. Which are crazy and obnoxious and cool and funny. Yeah. And those are really the provocations. <laughs> True, true. Yeah, going back to June, we uh, uh, we skipped over the year's best, mm-hmm. um, which is edited by former Bain intern uh, David F. Sharrad. He's now a freelance uh, editor and, and and author. Yeah, also mail clerk. Oh, for our former mail clerk, yeah, yes. Former, yeah. Yes, yeah. We paid him, too. That's How right. That? <laughs> for that one. <laughs> uh, we pay him for the year's best as well. Yes. Um, so David uh, skims through lots and lots of different sources, um, the print magazines, online magazines, um, and uh, tries to find the kind of short fiction um, that Bain readers will enjoy. And uh, it is an interesting exercise, and we, uh, we had a nice volume this year. Who won the... Uh, uh, we, we do every year a poll. Casey, I think. Yeah, she did. It was Casey. Casey is um, uh, we do a poll of the readers of the book and uh, ask them to select their favorite, and then we give that author an extra five hundred bucks. Um, and uh, mm, that one I did have a story in, by the way. Oh, ah, so, there we yeah. go. <laughs> which was out of uh, Mike Williamson's anthology, which Casey's story also came out of. Yeah. The um, the Freehold anthology, which was called um, Forged in Blood. Blood. Forged in Blood, yes. Yep. Which is about a sword. 
which is yes. going through time. It's very cool, cool concept. So it was fun to play with. Yeah, yeah, a lot, uh, yeah, a lot of the the stories in there were good, um, and uh, yeah, I was ha- I was happy to see that he had selected um, more than one from yeah. from from that from that volume. So yeah. David always does. I mean, he really just reads everything, and um, and bless him. We feel that he <laughs> he really does pick out. You know, if there's something out there that's going to appeal to uh, to our readers, he's going to find it. So. Yeah. Oh, let's see. And let's see. We had uh, the new Tim Powers alternate routes uh, was uh, was in August, but we also had again something completely different. Uh, also fantasy, but uh, superhero fantasy. Um, Avalanche Secret World Chronicles number five um, by Mercedes Lackey and uh, Cody Lee and Veronica Giger. <clears throat> and I think was Dennis in that one as well. I think it was a. Uh, three author. Yeah, Dennis. Oops. Dennis started out doing it, but I, I, don't, I don't think he was in this one. Nope, I'm wrong. Dennis Lee is also in this he one. Also so. in that. Yeah. Um, so uh, so we have your old pro uh, Mercedes Lackey working with some up and coming writers, and uh, again, this one started out from a game universe, City of Heroes, and has morphed into entirely uh their universe and it's uh it's also a lot of fun this was a culmination of that series number five we had a very pretty cover from um uh, larry dixon on that one yeah he's done the covers of the series he has and he's mercedes lackey's husband he is and uh so he was involved with uh their you know their creative uh involvement in this you know starting out as gamers um and doing uh, character backgrounds from the very beginning so it's, it's nice to have the artist who's that um engaged in it um so what else we have in august uh uh eric flint's collection uh worlds two um so we have the collected short fiction of eric flint um eric can write short if he tries really really hard <laughs> so we don't have a lot of short fiction from eric but we do have two volumes yeah, and they're always they're really good yeah. uh, and he's got novellas yes um, which yeah. are which are fantastic yeah. as well uh, another gordy dixon um uh, reprint in, in august came out oh and back in um uh, back in June, we reprinted um, Brothers in Arms, Lois McMaster Bujol, the early Forkosigan saga novel. Um, came where we were doing those as uh, trade paperbacks, and so we had a nice trade paperback edition of that as well. So that wraps up. That wrapped up summer. Summer yeah. and September saw Larry's first short story collection. Uh, Larry Korea's first short story collection. Target rich environment. Target rich yeah. environment. Um, yeah, that was that 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 was fun too. Where where uh, Larry looked up one day, realized he had enough uh, stories to put together a collection, and by the time he had finished putting the together the collection for us, he realized he had enough for two. <laughs> so we'll we'll be doing the second of these uh, collections uh, in 2019. The cover for this is. Just a beautiful portrait of Larry Correa um, as one of his own heroes by Kurt Miller. Um, Kurt's one of our uh, perennial artists. And uh, I, I think the only reason Larry wanted to do a collection was so that he could get a, 
uh, a portrait of himself on the cover. I didn't, I hadn't realized before this that it was Bain policy that we do this, but I guess we've done this <laughs> enough times that, <laughs> that it is. From We're, tradition to policy. <laughs> from tradition to policy, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think we started with uh, Bob Forward. We did a picture of Bob Forward on uh, one of his collection um, back in the day. Um and uh, we've done Lois, we've done Eric Flint, um, and now Larry. And uh, the, the, the cover for the second one is just brilliant. I'm not going to say any more than that, but y'all will, <laughs> y'all will see it if you come to a Bain slideshow this year. So, um. Yeah, yeah. The, um, Larry, when we talked about this on the podcast, Larry talked about how he got the shot that he sent of himself, that he sent with that face, because he, he, he's a gentle man. <laughs> even though he's a very large man. <laughs> he had to get that. He worked with his wife to get that, just the expression of stomping monsters that he was looking for. And there was some some weird awkwardness that he had to get into. I think it was some... Um, anyway, you can check out the podcast, and uh, he details the story of the genesis of that cover as yeah. well, or at least his part of it. So Great, great. Um, and it's got some great stories in it. Um, and we, we basically, I think, went through every one of them, and Larry told me, everything about it that, that we could without giving them away so that was that was fun cool podcast. Oh, yeah. and september we also had a solo novel by steve white um her majesty's american um which again had a really fun cover uh, was that was that kurt as well no no was that was the, Don Harmon. yeah yeah it's the english guy yeah. yeah yeah since it's about the british empire if it what if the british empire had survived um and America had not won the Revolutionary War, and and then everything had be, been taken to space, and so it's the British Empire in space. Yeah, so we got a British artist to do yeah. the uh, to do the cover, and yeah. uh... got a big ass Union Jack on the spaceship. <laughs> so, and our hero is a is a is a commander in Her Majesty's Navy, um, who has some resemblance to other. Uh, adventuring spy sorts, although he's he's a little bit more military than Bond um, in Steve's story. Uh, but it's about uh, this nasty star system called New America that's that's trying to rebel against the Empire. Perhaps <laughs> they have this this terrorist group called the Sons of Arnold that are um, that are making trouble. So it's it's really fun. It's kind of a really cool. Um, you know, oh yeah, if you look at things that way, sort of uh, from the other side of the mirror kind of story as we, well. Yeah. And there's cool spaceship battles. <laughs> we did two. Uh, we did two fantasy uh, trade paperback reprints in September. We got uh, Sheep Farmer's Daughter um, kicked off uh, those three books. Uh, this with, is the deed of Paxnarian. This is the deed series. of Paxnarian. Yeah, yeah. We got Todd Lockwood. Um, covers on those and then we also got a uh, new art for tinker by wen spencer um uh don mates did the the cover for that one um for this edition and uh, really cool. yeah captain morgan don mates yes uh -huh. yeah among yeah. other things also many steep white covers i think lately yes yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's great with um historical references but this is uh tinker is not historical it's a, a contemporary urban fantasy um and he really got tinker is an interesting character um so so getting the portrait of her 
um, and getting across her spirit and her intelligence uh, as well as her uh, unique beauty. Uh, it was an absolutely tricky thing to do, and he did it very, very well. Um, so it's, it's fun to throw these assignments to artists and, 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 and see, uh, see them rise to the challenge. Uh, let's see what else do we have uh october oh yeah october was, that was a, a rather large month for us <laughs> <laughs> a little book we like to call new york times best-selling uncompromising honor by david weber um that was uh a hard book for david to write and um it was great to see it in execution. This is something that he's been planning since he first conceived this series, uh, was um, Honor, Har Honor Harrington's Finest Hour. Um, so as a reader and as an editor, I knew this was coming, um, but knowing it's coming and seeing it in uh, seeing it in action are two different things. And so we really, really strong novel in the series. Um, uh, not a short novel, but a very lean novel. Um, there's not a wasted word in this book. Um, and uh, we have a beautiful cover um, from David Mattingly, who's been doing the covers for the series since book six. And um, just uh, a, a lovely, lovely book. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, um, and anyone's interested, we have a three-part interview with David on the podcast <laughs> talking all about this book and, and his genesis and the characters and, and everything else on our, on our verse related as well. Uh, the uh, uh, two other books, um, new books that we introduced in October, uh, another uh, Tim Powers reprint, Earthquake Weather. And, uh, Which yeah. has the same kid, um, although now he is as an expiration date. Yeah. Now he's, he's, he knows what's going on. He's figured out and he's part of the solution to this problem that so something very different from the Honorverse, um, and Black Triumph, um, third novel in Brendan uh, Du Bois's uh, series of Alien Invasion. Um, again, very different from the Honorverse, very different from the Powers, but uh, yeah, great hard story. hitting planet fighting. You know they've invaded Earth, and and our main character is a young guy, and the you know he's young because all the adults have been killed um, in the in the military fighting off these aliens that have invaded. Um, and trying to figure out what the heck they're doing here, yeah. and, yeah. It, and it's like um, Brendan is such a such a um, action writing sort of fellow from his mystery and such that um, it's also in uh, present tense, which we don't do a lot at Bain, but this one worked. <laughs> so. Don't tell T.C. McCarthy. <laughs> okay. That's right. Uh, T.C. McCarthy is a, a new author, a new to Bain author that we'll be introducing in 2019. He's got a great near future uh, hard science fiction, um, also alien invasion novel, but very different take. Um, uh coming up uh, yeah tiger burning tiger burning yeah it's coming up in the summer it's a reference to the the blake uh poem so uh let's see november uh valley of shadows by john ringo and mike massa 
So we oh, had... We did it nicely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is... <clears throat> John Ringo actually finished a series, so this is uh, the ongoing adventures <laughs> <laughs> in that world. Um, so these take off from different characters um, from the, the first series that John wrote. Um, and there, uh, we started with a short story by Mike Massa in the uh, Black Tide Rising um, anthology. And we now are following what is happening on the mainland. Um, the Under a Graveyard Sky sequence followed uh, one branch of the Smith family as they went out to sea. And this is uh, Tom Smith, the uncle and brother, um, following his uh, job description and responsibilities and staying uh, staying on dry land. Yeah, to... and it's in New York. He is head of security at a, at a large bank and... Um... Which, which is more than just, a, as Mike described, um, uh, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of responsibility for the, for the continuing function of any sort of economy in this world that zombies have, have, are taking over. And, you know, and uh, how do you do that as well? And, yeah, yeah. And so a large part of the concerns here are um, power structures. Um, how do you maintain power structures when uh, the uh, power structures that you're used to go away? And uh, there are lots of different answers to that. And the mob comes <laughs> up, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and of course, since Mike Mike is uh, Mike Massa is former special forces dude, um, SEAL, right? Yeah, um, and the Fortune 500 uh, security consultant. And if, yes, and that is what the character is. Although he's a in the book, Tom Smith is an Australian special forces retiree who's now a. a high-powered security consultant yeah so um there's a lot of authenticity although maybe the zombies are you know it might be just day after tomorrow science fiction that's talking about <laughs> good god we hope not, <laughs> hope not. moving on <laughs> so, yeah. something much happier the, the, we're uh, gonna have the sequel to that by the way out um which is um river of night river yeah. of night that'll be out in august i believe yeah and uh, so a much happier scenario, we have Tom Kratman's uh, Pillar of Fire by Night. <laughs> this uh, doesn't take place on Earth, um, but it is uh, the story of a world at war. It is happier because Tom, because it's Carrera is has baited them in, and now he's going to crush them. <laughs> this is when he does that. <laughs> of course, the... the uh, uh, baiting the trap uh, is itself a, a scourging and, and harrowing process. Um, so, uh, really strong novel by uh, Tom Cratton, uh, Lieutenant Colonel T Tom Cratman, who has just finished up as of yesterday a, a series of nonfiction essays um, about um, organization um, in war. And that's up by. Uh, on the Bain website. Yeah. And it also refers back to um, the Pillar of Fire by Night uh, and the Carrera books in general. Yeah. And how, because he's he's taken a lot of his experience, his actual real-world experience commanding troops, um, and put it into these. And, and, and his thoughts about what one could do in, a, in an army that was different from the U.S. Army, say, on another planet where he... Um, and, um, and, and how he would reorganize if he were, you know, with a guy with his experience. Um, and he, he's put it into practice in, in the books as well, which is cool. And he talks about, you know, he doesn't give 
a long exposition in the books, but this is the long what exposition. he was thinking about. So if <laughs> yeah. you're interested in that, um, and it's fascinating and well-informed, uh, we, we got that. Um, we have this ongoing web uh, web stories and, and nonfiction that we do. Um, you've been committed to that for years now. Um, not everybody does that as well. I think we... It provides a, the authors love it because they get to tell stories set in their books that, that they couldn't quite get into the novels a lot of times. Um, well, I think it's, it's, it's a nice thing for the readers. Um, if you, uh, you know, we do have these long ongoing series um, and that can be a uh, giant emotional commitment. Um, so this gets you the, uh, uh, the, the tender first look, shall we say, <laughs> uh, where you get to check it out um, well, without a big emotional commitment. Um, and if you like the kinds of things that the author is doing, then, well, of course, the novels are available. Um, but we've, we've also gotten some really good short stories out of this. Yeah. Um, some when, we've put in the year's best. <laughs> some we have put in the year's best. When Spencer's, some of one Spencer's best short stories have, have come as original. Um, uh, Bain Web stories. Larry Correa's done some great stories. Yeah. for us um, i mean stories well. in the target rich and target rich environment some a couple of them come from three four yeah come from uh, uh bain.com yeah front page and you can get all these stories in the in free ebook form as well at uh, the bain books bain ebooks yeah, we've been collecting these uh, since we started. So if you go to the Bain Free Library and you just look up uh, Bain Fiction, uh, Bain Free Fiction, or Bain Free Nonfiction, because we do the nonfiction as well every month. Too. I think we have collections going back to 2010. 2010, yeah. I believe that's yeah when it when we started. So that is eight years worth of great short stories to check out. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's all right. What else do we have? December. No, no, November. No, more no, November. More November. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. We have uh, Hocus Pocus, which is Paul Anderson and Gordy Dixon writing together. Um, some of the best humorous science fiction out there. Um, if you like the Galaxy Quest, then you will enjoy these stories. A uh, very similar uh, premise, obviously. That's the one with the Hocus. Yeah. That's the one with the Hocus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hocus Pocus. And I just want to mention that um, uh, Dominic Harmon has been doing very cool covers for these books um, as well. There's just two volumes. Um, I think... Uh, Hocus Pocus is the Mona Lisa volume, where we have a Hoka as the Mona Lisa. Um, just, is the Statue of Liberty one? Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe it's the Statue of Liberty one. I just wanted to, for the Statue of Liberty one, I um, just uh, noticed that the book that the Statue of Liberty is, is holding is, in fact, a Bane book, so, um, as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, in November, we published the 30th anniversary edition of Agent of Change by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller, which was the first of uh, the Lee Aiden universe books. Um and it doesn't read like a first book in a series. It reads like you're just dropped into this universe and um, interesting things are happening. Um, it's uh, just just a lot of fun. So we uh, we broke that one out and we'll be doing the first three um, throughout uh, the uh, in the universe. The, the other two will be in 2019 as well. So so that's coming up. And um, then December we had All the Plagues of Hell by uh, Eric Flint and Dave Freer. And that's set, uh, it's a fantasy novel set in the Heirs of Alexandria series that uh, Eric and Dave and Mercedes Lackey conceived together. Um, and this is uh, the boys off writing on their own. Um, 
fun uh yeah. fun fun art from what if the what if the library at alexandria had not burned down and what if it was full of magic tomes uh, with magic that worked what would that have done to renaissance europe um and it messes it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but these are also inspired by the um, uh, adventure novels of uh, uh, like Scaramouche and yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, if, if you if you enjoy movie swordplay, you're going to enjoy these books. Uh, uh, One of the things they do in the books is that they don't um, do these and thous with the dialogue. They they modernize the dialogue, which makes it fun, um, because that if you were translating from the medieval Italian, <laughs> it would read like that. It would be like, get out of my way, damn it, or yeah. whatever the hell. Yeah. And so uh, the other trades, uh, trade paperbacks that we had in December were Star Wheeled Sky by Brad Torgerson, uh, another second novel by a uh, hard science fiction writer. Um, Brad is... Uh, has written short stories in this universe, and this is the first novel um, that that he has here. And uh, great yeah. fun. Yeah, it sort of um, strangely reminded me of Battlestar Galactica in a way because it is a future human civilization that has lost touch with Earth and its own. It's it's it went through a wormhole, and there's this system of alien created uh, gateways, and it has built civilization within this system and then suddenly a new one shows up um and, and um what the heck does that mean for all of these balances of power and, and <laughs> stuff like that so um it's it's a really cool um concept and there it, basically it is um the tale of a race of the two major superpowers a more democratic and a more totalitarian toward that new wormhole and what they're going to find on the other side of it and this is even more impressive when you realize that Brad wrote uh, part of this while uh, deployed as a warrant officer um, to the Middle East. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if we should say that. Most of he did not do any of work while he was supposed to be doing other things. <laughs> well, even, even Brad has some time off. <laughs> Um, so that came out in December. Then we had The Magnificent Wolf by Gordon Dixon, uh, which we published originally at Bain and have the rights back to again. Um, the Dixon writing in a, a humorous mode. Um, and then uh, wrapping out the year, we have a collection of mostly reprints, uh, stories edited by Christopher Rocchio and Hank Davis, uh, Space Pioneers. Um, I, I have a story in there. Oh, there we go. So it's so was it was that a reprint store of yours? It was, was it? Uh, something. It was in Asimov's back in '99. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we have uh, I think we have a couple of originals in there as well, um, but these are on the theme of uh, life in space and people breaking uh, you know breaking the boundaries. So they were able to draw on science fiction from many different decades, and they're fun. Um, yeah. Where you get to see how different authors treat the treat the same theme and over time how this changes in our space art. pioneers and then it's it, mostly it's upbeat and there, of course there's problems but um uh, the problems are something the characters are trying to solve and that don't solve the characters in general <laughs> so yeah. as it were and this is um you know hank uh hank davis our editor emeritus who is just a a walking font of having read everything ever 
in in science fiction just was was able to include some great stories that a lot of people um maybe have forgotten but he hasn't <laughs> and, and brought back so there's some stuff that um that's really fun in there so we got well. Niven and Pornell. Uh, that's Sarah, right. Sarah yeah. Hoyt has a new story in there. Uh, Dave Drake is a story. James Gunn. James Gunn. Um, and again, beautiful, uh, wonderful cover by Bob Eggleton. Um, just a great pulpy um, uh, rocket ship and an asteroid. And, uh, you know, this is what... These are the kinds of things I think that inspire us to to conquer the stars. Um, so this is a, a, a great way to uh, to wrap up the year and uh, wrap up the podcast. Sure. Well, is there any um, just give us like a, a momentary uh, glimpse into the future since this is science fiction? Um, anything <laughs> that 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 we're excited about? Um, I think we're pretty excited about twenty nineteen. Oh um, yeah, 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 um, yeah. We are. Um, uh, coming up in uh, 2019, in stores now, um, we've got a new Dave Drake um, sequel to the... Um, uh, the Storm is Out. Yeah, The Storm is yes. Out. Um, Arcad's World was a new to Bane writer, uh, James Cambius. Uh, reminds me very, very strongly of the best of the Heinlein Juveniles. Um, I think you guys will enjoy that. February, we've got House of Assassins, uh, Larry Correa. Second in the Saga of the Forgotten Warrior. Um, uh, really great epic fantasy. Uh, Voices of the Fall, John Ringo and Gary Poole. It's a, another anthology set in the Black Tide Rising universe. Got hard science fiction from Travis Taylor and Jody Nye in March. Um, new solo novel in the Ring of Fire universe in April. Um, and Mark Simmons comes back from the dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so does his main character. And so does his main character. Chris yeah. Sesay, uh, which in time is is in April. So uh, we've got new uh, fiction from Susan Matthews, um, new magazine wars volume in February with Larry Niven. Um, uh, Today I'm Carrie, uh, Martin Shoemaker's first novel. Um, really lovely hard science fiction work about the coming of age of an android. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's all kind of great stuff coming up in nineteen in stores now. So um, we got cool stuff coming. In. And, do, yeah. and do we have a we have a we have a Monster Hunter book coming in the, in the summer, right? So. We do. We have Monster Hunter Guardian, which is by Larry Correa and Sarah Hoyt, and it is Julie's book, um, which I think of in my head as the mom book. Um, you really, really don't want to mess with a mama. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be super fun. So yeah. just, uh, we, we continue, we're bringing new authors out. Um, a good many debuts in 2019 coming up and we're continuing with the great series that you love. Um, anything else, uh, that, uh, what you wanted to, uh, no, I just wanted to uh, to thank you guys, uh, thank thank the podcast uh, audience for uh, for hanging out with us. We we love doing these for you, and uh, you know, any feedback that you have, please do uh, please do let us know. Yeah, we like to think of of the podcast audience as the mavens that go out there and and you know they read the books and then say you know it's a really good book you might want to check out. Um, to, to to you're the people people. Uh, come to and say, what should I be reading next? So um, at least that's, um, that's, that's how we, we picture it. And I think that's true. Our guys have um, the answers. Yeah. That's right. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Tony, for, uh, for being with us. And 
We'll talk again next year, perhaps. <laughs> Sounds good. See Tony. how it all came out. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Now we continue with the complete audiobook serialization of Son of the Black Sword by Larry Correa, book one in the saga of the Forgotten Warrior. After the War of the Gods, the demons were cast out and fell to the world. Mankind was nearly eradicated by the seemingly unstoppable beasts. Until the gods sent the great hero Ram Rowan to save them, he united the tribes, gave them magic, and drove the demons into the sea. But as centuries passed, the descendants of the great hero grew in number and power. They became tyrannical and cruel, and their religion nothing but an excuse for greed. The people rose up, and the surviving royalty and their priests were made castless, condemned to live as untouchables. The age of law had begun. Ashok Vidal has been chosen by a powerful ancient weapon to be its bearer. He is a protector, a member of an ancient military order of roving law enforcers. No one is more merciless in rooting out those who secretly practice the old ways as Ashok. But Ashok isn't who he thinks he is. And when he finds himself on the wrong side of the law, the consequences lead to rebellion, war, and perhaps transformation. Now here is the latest entry in Larry Correa's Son of the Black Sword. Chapter 17 Grand Inquisitor Ormand was stuffed. Say what you would about his not-so-gracious host, but among his household servants was one of the best chefs in the capital. Thank you for the wonderful dinner, Dumard, but I'm afraid I really must be going. I've got a long journey ahead of me tomorrow. The Lord Archivist was terrified, but trying not to show it. Having the leader of the Inquisition show up unannounced at your estate for dinner tended to have that effect on people. Where are you going? I have business in the north, the Dial Lands. Amand waved his hand dismissively. As you know, an order's work is never done. His host sat on the cushions, staring at the nervously picked-up plate of food in front of him. The food was excellent, so Ahmad was sad it was going to waste. It would be rude to ask to finish Ahmad's plate, and besides, Ahmad was getting a little soft around the waist as he reached middle age. The lady of the house had already made some excuses and fled at the earliest opportunity, even the servants were scared to come into the room to clean their plates. Well, it has been a pleasure to see you again, Ahmad, the Lord Archivist said, hopeful that the Inquisitor was actually leaving now. Always. My only regret is that your eldest daughter was unable to join us. The Lord Archivist looked up and swallowed hard. My daughter? Yes. Radamantha, I believe, is her name. I've been told she's quite the lovely girl. Takes after her mother. You truly have a beautiful family, Domad. Don't worry. I'm sure she's just working late and she'll be home soon. She'll be home soon? Yes, that is what I said, isn't it? The Lord Archivist, wide-eyed, nodded. Omand noted that there were crumbs in Domad's beard. 
Important work, preparing all those reports for the judges. I look forward to reading her findings on the castless question. It will be good to have such an important topic presented by someone so respected for her thoroughness. See to it she finishes them in a timely manner. Take care of that girl of yours, Domard, for I foresee a bright future ahead of her. Omand stood up, adjusted his mask, and then gave his host a polite bow. I'll see myself out. Omand took his time, strolling down the hall, admiring the artwork and the excellent wood carvings. The Lord Archivist stayed planted there, staring and Amand had no doubt that the instant he was out of sight, the old man would send a runner to the library to make sure his precious daughter was still in one piece. I love my job. His driver, Inquisitor Taraba, was waiting outside the estate, standing next to the carriage, holding the door open for his superior. How was your evening, sir? Excellent. Finest spiced duck I've had in years steamed in some sort of chewy leaf I'm not familiar with. Absolutely delightful. Find out who their chef is and steal him, Amand ordered as he climbed into the carriage. Taraba closed the door behind him, and sure enough, waiting within the shadows was Sicasso. He was sprawled across the carriage's opposite seat as if taking a nap. Sicasso wasn't a member of the Inquisition. Quite the contrary. He was a leader of an organization that wasn't supposed to exist anymore. But if it did, would surely be an enemy of the Inquisition. The assassin was an average-sized, unassuming man, somewhere between the age of twenty and forty, with a completely forgettable face. Tonight he was dressed like a junior librarian. Tomorrow he'd appear to be something else. Neither of them spoke until Taraba had whipped the horses and the carriage was rolling through the capital. It is done, the magically enhanced killer said, revealing that he'd not been napping after all. The girl at the library won't be a problem. Not a problem dead, or not a problem compliant. He had, after all, insinuated she was still alive to the girl's father, and he'd hate to have gotten it wrong. Armand had a reputation to keep up. Alive as requested. I'm not one of your masked thugs out there carelessly breaking knees and thumbs. My people are artists. Besides, intimidating the firsters is easy. Most of them are so insulated from violence that even the suggestion of it makes them fold. She'd probably never been threatened before in her whole life. I'd have your men keep an eye on her, but I don't think she'll talk to anyone. All that easy living makes firsters soft. I've found that to be true myself. Over the years, Armand had tortured confessions out of members of every social stratum, from the lowest castless scum to chief judges. Everyone cracked eventually, but the ones who were the least used to sweating and bleeding usually cracked first. A fantastic evening all around, then. Better her respected name on the report than some drunken fool who the judges will mock. 
Omand reached into his robe and pulled out Sukasa's payment. He tossed over the pouch. Are you ready for our journey to Vidal? I look forward to it, the assassin said as he opened the pouch and studied the contents. If his inquisitors had a smile as unnerving as Sukasa's, then there would be no need for them to wear masks. Satisfied that the black steel fragment was of the agreed-upon weight, the pouch vanished from Sukasa's hands. When the protector's sword shatters, then we get the pieces. If. When, Sukasa stated, the road you're sending him down can only end in dishonor, and we'll be there when it does. The fragments are mine. That is fair. An entire ancestor blade worth of magical black steel shards was worth a fortune, but so were the services of Sikasa's organization. You know my expected timeline? I think your schedule is optimistic at best. I've killed more than my fair share of protectors over the years, but I've always wanted to fight a bearer. Amand chuckled. If everything goes according to my plan, you won't need to. You assume he'll still do as he's told. No man is that devoted to the law, Inquisitor. On the contrary, wizard. From what I've learned of this Ashok, you might be surprised. That was another entry in the complete audiobook serialization of Son of the Black Sword by Larry Correa. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Audible.com and to podcast theme composer Ruth Judkowitz. And a hive of bees genetically engineered for senses not for pretty smelly flowers, but for great stories told by great authors. And one bee with a homing beacon and transmittal equipment to a mapping phone app. Plus, thanks, praise, and gratitude to Bain publisher Tony Weiskopf for talking to us about the year that just was. Please join us next time here at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy. And keep reaching for the stars. 